So do you think we can do a whole podcast without referencing it? Referencing what? Yeah, exactly. It's the Armored Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, and boy, what a weekend do we have to talk about. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn. Alabama, Painter Sharpless, chiming in from Parts Unknown. Painter, how are we doing? Doing well, doing pretty good. Pretty good? Pretty, pretty good? Pretty good, yeah. All yeah, right, good, let's, yeah. let's, see how, let's see how long that holds. How's the weather like up there? Because it is, it is back to just being freezing down here, like just, just straight up cold. So I can't imagine what it's like up, uh, up where you are. Huge snow piles, not spending a lot of time outside, uh, but we're doing great. We're doing fine. You're spending a lot of time online with your friends. Exactly. Reading, reading the internet. Just a thing that's going to make us all smarter and not give us and not give us brain poisoning. I watch some basketball, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There you um, go. One of the later seasons. And then I rewatched an episode of Peaky Blinders and made some DiGiorno pizza. Is Peaky Blinders about to be done? Like, are yeah. They- yeah, they're coming out with the last season on... Like I think it's this spring. I think it comes out on BBC first, but I'm not entirely sure about that. Are, are, that are you going to be one of those people that tries to find a way to watch it before it comes over here? I'm probably not going to do that. That takes too much effort. But I do have friends that are good at that stuff. I don't think it's that hard. But no. I don't. I don't actually do that just because it's like if I can't just click the remote twice and go to the app, it's probably going to take too much time. And I'm sure I'd download the wrong thing, and then I'd have a virus. And then how could we right. do this podcast? Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. We still want to do it. We still want to do the podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. This is the weekend edition, so there's more of you listening to it, not just our friends in the inner circle who are subscribers to The Observer. We're just going to go ahead and get started with uh, the situation unfolding with Auburn football. Um, since the last time we recorded a podcast, things uh, have have taken a dramatic turn, it seems like, with uh, with Auburn football. I guess it really started in earnest on Thursday, although there was some there was some you know kind of whispers earlier in the week. Uh, reports coming out on Thursday night from a, from a number of uh, from a number of outlets, uh, putting into question Brian Harson's short term future, immediate future. I guess is the best way to say that uh, at Auburn. Um, Friday morning, uh, a lot goes on on Friday morning, um, especially on social media. Um, Brian Harson. Um, had an interview on late on Thursday night with, uh, with ESPN, um, several reporters from ESPN.com pulled together a story. Uh, Harson uh, defended himself, uh, against, uh, some allegations that, uh, that have been swirling also on Friday, uh, board of trustees meeting in Montgomery where, uh, Jay Gouge, the outgoing president, Armored brought in it, like, like officially named their new president, on uh on friday so uh, welcome though, yeah it's like even though he's not in, in the job yet and, until may i believe welcome welcome to the jungle uh mr roberts yeah all that's going on and uh jay Gooch says hey we're trying to separate fact from fiction uh don't want to misquote him here uh i just want you to know that we're involved in trying to separate fact from fiction we'll keep you posted and make the appropriate decision at the right time also in that quote he he talks about um, you know, rumors and, and, and speculation about the football program and, um, you know, trying to do their due diligence in that regard. Um, let's, 
let's make some ground rules here to start with. Um, and I wrote something on Friday night, supposed to go up on Saturday morning, but I'm a moron who hit the button too quick, uh, trying to adjust something. Um, but it came up on, uh, on Friday night. You don't have to have a subscription to the observer, uh, to, to read it. If you, uh, if you'd like to check it out. Um, uh, it's a newsletter I wrote and, um, I put, I keep, I hate how much I've said I already, uh, I, I, I made the point in there that. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a person who breaks news. I'm not a I'm not a person who has a lot of sources. There are people who break news and have a lot of sources that cover this this beat at Auburn, and they do a, a great job of it. Um, I'm going to be up front here and kind of what what I did with the newsletter and what we're going to do with this is um, I'm going to talk about the stuff that's been put out there on the record that has somebody's name attached to it. Um, and that right now is what Brian Harson has said uh, in that ESPN story. And uh, what Jay Gooch said uh, about the uh, about the situation on Friday. Um, look, I went to journalism school. Uh, I've been in this business um, for a while now. I, I know why unnamed sources are a thing. Um, I am not calling those into question. I know there's a lot that has been reported. There's even a lot more that has been rumored. Um, you know, by people who aren't sports writers, by, by people who aren't journalists covering the story. Um. By that, I mean fans. Um, I'm not getting into any of that. Um, I'm just going to talk about, we're just going to talk about what's been said and what's been said publicly and what what people have been able to attach their names to. Um, like I said, not calling into question anybody's reporting, not calling in, not, you know, saying that. I'm just going off of what I can tell you and what I know. And what I know is based on what people have gone on the record about um, in this story. And again, like I said, I'm, I'm not the person who is, uh, the scoops guy or, um, you know, has, has the, the inside info on a lot of stuff. It's just, that's just not who I am as a writer. It's not my strength. It's never has been my strength. Um, and so part of the thing we do at the observer is we do some things differently just because, um, like I said earlier, there's a lot of really good people who cover, uh, this team and this beat that, uh, that have that. And I very much encourage, uh, like I like I always say on here, I encourage people to uh, support them and their work um, because um, a lot of it is, is is very good and a lot of a lot of what people you know, a lot of what people do on this beat is, is really high quality. This this got ugly really really quickly, Painter. I, I think the big thing is Auburn football. Really, you could you could point since the start of November. You could do it since the start of November, but. Really, I think it's been in earnest since the Birmingham Bowl because at least you know after the end of the regular season, Auburn had that little run um, where they made a pretty good push. The early signing period got some momentum back. Uh, that momentum did not last. Um, you know, you had the loss in the Birmingham Bowl to Houston, and since then it's just been a slow, steady outpouring of of negative news with the program. When Javarius Johnson entered the portal. On Wednesday, a day where Auburn did not sign anybody, didn't add anybody on national signing. They weren't expected to sign a lot. They weren't even the front runner, I would say, for for those guys they came down to. But they got nobody new, and this you know this roster needs to add people. Johnson was the 19th player to enter the transfer portal. There's only two Power Five teams in the country that have more people that have entered the portal since then, or or this offseason, I should say, Maryland and Indiana. This is year two. Auburn has had more people enter the players enter the transfer portal this offseason than they did 
last offseason when almost the entire coaching staff completely changed. <laughs> that being said, it's that's not a great sign. And it's what has gotten a lot of people, I think, in and around Auburn, very curious and looking, okay, what is happening with this program? Transfers are up. Uh, it's easier than ever before to transfer, obviously, with the portal. And transfers are up this offseason compared to ones in the past. It's just, you know, some of that is can be explained, but not all of it can. Not to this rate and not to the position where you're supposed to be in year two, you're supposed to be taking a step forward as a program. As all this has gone on, you've had Derek Mason leave the program, resign, end up taking the job at Oklahoma State. A lateral move at best, as, we, as we've talked about before on here. Auburn has, you know, the the thing about the the Mason resignation and what was reported and you know what what I have heard on top of that about Mason is that didn't get along with Brian Harson, didn't see eye to eye with him, and thought it was best for him to move on to another job. Then the Austin Davis thing happens not too far after that. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of assistant departures already for a you know a guy who hasn't even hit his second year as the head coach here. When you have two coordinators leave in short succession and you're having to replace around national signing day and when the portal is this was towards the end of like the first big wave of the portal, you will have more after spring practice. It's 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 raised a lot of red flags. I think that's the safest way to put it. And then it accelerated on Thursday night with these reports of Harson's job security. And it was addressed again on Friday with Googe. It is it had reached the point where Harson was talking to ESPN about uh, and he's on vacation right now, which this is the time of year where coaches go on vacation, the very little amount of time that they get. That it reached to that point. The ESPN story and I think there have been a couple other spots that have, have reported this. One of the things that has been talked about, you know, on the record and, and it, at least has been, has been reported by reputable outlets uh, about what's happened with Brian Harson is his treatment of players and assistant coaches, um, specifically verbally. Um, Harson defended himself against that, talking about attacks on his character. Uh, none, none of that is who he is. And he doubled down and he said, you know, I'm the man for the job. You know, I've got a plan, you know, and, and, you know, defended himself against any accusations of wrongdoing. But over the weekend, you can tell with the way Jay Googe has, you know, what he said, kind of what has been reported since then. Um, Auburn's looking into something, you know, the, the, the people in charge of Auburn athletics and, and, and the university, they are going through it when you bring something up at the board of trustees and you're talking about separating fat from fishing this isn't this isn't just straight up a situation where it's like okay some people are upset at the at the at the um direction of the program they're upset about the way things are going and look there are some people at auburn and everybody can know everybody knows this there's some people at auburn that have some power and money and sway that weren't on board with brian harson's hire we know that but this is more than that because when you when you have a president saying, "Hey, we're looking into this and we're going to see if we have to make a decision," 
that has a lot of significance. And I think the big thing here is that I don't know how this ends up, but as I wrote on Friday night, I think the damage has been done. And I'm interested to hear what you think about this painter. I think the damage has been done because whatever this resolution is one way or another, whether Brian Hartson stays on as Auburn's head coach and they push on forward into the rest of what is going to be a tough offseason, not only in terms of adding to your roster, developing your guys, getting ready for a season that's going to be difficult, or they make the move now in whatever fashion to get a new head coach. Either way, what's about to happen here for Auburn and what Auburn needs to do over the next few months just got a lot harder just by what is going on right now. We were talking, Painter, before we started recording, and you were like, look, I don't know what's happening. And and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not I'm not super, super plugged in as much as a lot of other people are, but it's a lot of other people that are that are in this on this beat that are, that is, you know? That's just that's just not my uh it's not my forte as as somebody who who covers this team. That's just not the kind of stuff I do as much. So in situations like this, you know, others have the have the edge there, I would say, in, in terms of the information. But I think even if you don't know the inner details, I think you can just at least look at it from the outside painter and just say, like, this is bad. This is a really, really bad spot for Auburn to be in. It does feel like something that's hard to come back from. That, yeah, that, that yes. Yes, I'm glad you said that. It, it's, I mean, no matter what happens when you come back from this, like, you know, somebody, I, I think it was one of the ESPN reporters, so it's like kind of like the genie's already been out of the bottle. Like, you know, if 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 you're already in this much danger, how many how many people? And I mean, there's been several Auburn fans, including some that were uh, you know commenting on the story on Friday night, um, the newsletter on Friday night. Says so this is like how many times is, have you ever seen a coach go through something like this and it be fine on the other side? And like, I think there's people who want to compare it to Jetgate, but like this is this. This has a different feel. And look, I was I was ten years old when Jetgate happened. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I know, you know, everything that happened there, but this this feels a lot more different than, hey, we were secretly interviewing somebody else to replace you because we're upset with, you know, what's going on on the scoreboard. I think a lot of that has to do with where Auburn like the five game losing streak, the struggles in recruiting, the the exodus of, of personnel from the program, both player and coach. I think that has to do it, but this is, this is different when you're talking about having to dig through stuff and, and, and try to find out if you need to make a decision one way or the other. Um, that's a completely different time than like, yeah, you know what? We think we might be better off, you know, if, if we get another football coach moving forward, it's just, it's a lot different than that. And whoever leads Auburn moving forward, whether it's Brian Harson or somebody else, like, this is just this is just handing loaded weapons to people on the recruiting trail. I think. I guess how like how much how much harder is it now f- for you to bring in folks? I mean, we were talking about it with National Signing Day and what happened. Uh, you know, when when they went over four, it's like okay, you, you just had two coordinators walk out in the last couple of weeks. Now, differing reasons and different situations entirely. I, you know, from from what we can tell. I mean, it's hard to bring folks into something like this. Now it's like when you see the 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 division among people on the team, 
amongst each other. And then people who have played on the team recently and just the, it's just, it's rough. It's really, really rough to see because it's just this culture of dysfunction and, and just kind of chaos at the moment that it's, I think it's going to be a while before you can dig yourself out of it. It is funny to think about being six and two and ranked yes. right around the top 10. Right. Not that that's, long ago. <laughs> that's the wildest thing about this whole story, right? Is that Auburn was six and two heading into Texas A&M. And even after the A&M game, it's like, okay, reset. I mean, they were, they were cooking Mississippi state in that game early. And then the defense collapses and Bonix breaks a uh, bone in his leg. And think about everything that has transpired for Auburn since that the second half of that Mississippi State game and how much everything has just completely flipped for Auburn and Auburn football. And it's like if one or two of those things change, if you don't like have to, you know, even if you just pull out one or a couple of these games down the stretch, maybe if you just win the Birmingham Bowl or win the Iron Bowl that, you know, you should have. Or hold on to that lead against South Carolina. Right. The season. Maybe feels you're not different. in this position. Yeah, it feels very different if you're eight and four, or you know, seven and five with an Iron Bowl win, or something to that effect. But neither here nor there. I, I bad luck. Yeah, it, it's 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 a bad it's a, it's a really bad situation, and this thing feels like it's going to take some time to play out. Now I say that. And you know, by the time you're listening to this, there might've already been a decision made because that's just kind of how the timing of all this usually works for us. But, um, I, I think it's just the, the crux of the, of the, of, you know, my whole view of this situation. And I think it's one that you probably would agree with painter is that Auburn's biggest issue for a long time now has been not everybody being on the same page. When you look at Alabama and you look at Georgia and you look at Clemson and you look at some other like these these powerhouse programs, and in the case of Alabama and Georgia, two teams that are your biggest rivals and the ones that you know win national you know, last two years, last two national champions, you talk about them being well-oiled machines and everything pulling in one direction and how it's not that they don't have problems. It's not that they don't have attrition. It's not that they they don't have issues they have to sort out. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Swinney, you know any of these any of these people that are very very successful in the profession they have to deal with this. But to this extent, and this constant kind of stuff, like Auburn's got a rep, and I think some of it is overblown from time to time. Auburn's got a rep. It's just like up top with management. It's 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 a mess. It's a mess. Brent Venables like what he said about Auburn and like not being aligned. And when he took the Oklahoma job, it's like, you know, that only gets worse because I think this is kind of the way, like you can talk about Jetgate, you can talk about what happened in 2017 with the standoff and the, um, you know, you can talk about what happened in 2020 and is Gus gone or not in pandemic year and, and all that. This, it feels like it's like reached the new height of it. That, you know, everybody can tell that Auburn, people who are in charge and people, you know, coaches, players, fans, um, people with power and influence, administration, leadership, whatever you want to call it, there's so much pulling in opposite directions. And this one feels like it's so forceful and the seams are kind of coming out in front of everybody. And 
that's that's a that's a damaging thing that it, it it isn't easily fixed. It isn't easily overcome. Even at a place like Auburn, you can never really you know truly know what's going to happen next. It just gets it just gets a, a lot harder. Um and it's the worst possible time to do. It's like say you are making a coaching change here. You've done it after the carousel for the most part in in in, in football is done. You're doing it this close to uh, spring practice. You're doing it this close, you know, or this. I mean, you're doing it after the the, the recruiting and the, and the and the probably the core of the the bulk of the of the transfer portal's gone through the cycle, and it's like there's no good time for stuff like this to happen ever. Period. But like this is this would just be a different this is just a different thing. What if Auburn has to try to find another head coach right now? What if they determine that this is the best move for them to make right now? It's like, oh, well, shoot, man. Like, what <laughs> What do you do? Where do you go next? Like, what, what happens there? And, like, if Auburn says, you know what? Harson's staying in place. You know, we're we're going to continue forward and, 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 you know, give the man time. You know, there were there we didn't find any reasons to to um you know get rid of him. If that's the case as well, it's like we've talked about how ever since the Birmingham Bowl, or maybe even since since the beginning of November, it just the the challenge gets harder and harder and harder. Now it feels like forget having one hand tied behind your back. It feels like you might have two hands tied behind your back, and you're just having to just fight through it. Cause it's this it's this it's this cycle to a degree where it's like, okay, people are upset that Auburn isn't recruiting as well and the roster doesn't need to be where it needs to be, right? Um, well, you need to win to be able to recruit and you need to recruit to be able to win. And it's like, okay, well, neither of those wheels are really turning uh, at the same time. And it's a mess. It's a mess. And I don't know, I mean, Painter, I don't know if you want to say it on the podcast, but I think the point you made right before we started recording is a good one. It just leadership, man. Like, where is it? Like, where, 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 where is it? Especially when you look at the two, like where your rivals are at and what they've got. And you look at what Auburn's got. And it's like, man, how, how do you even compete with that? With, with, with the situation you're in right now. For all of Harson's faults and missteps. And it seems like there's been a number of them in his short time here. It doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of cohesion behind the scenes, right? Either, and this is all happening at a time where, of course, we know your your three biggest rivals are have all been the champion in the last three years. Also, That's Texas A and M, A and M just landed the just landed the the Death Star of recruiting right now. And then Arkansas and Ole Miss are in the best place they've been in the last ten years. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you are right now probably the weakest team or program in the west yeah certainly the most vulnerable right and if you look at the league as a whole it's like okay you probably just based on talent alone you probably feel better about auburn than vanderbilt like you lost to south carolina each of the last two years and south carolina went in and got some dudes in the portal and like there's momentum around them now they started from a different spot than you know shane beamer started from a different spot than brian harson did and i think the the what was considered successful was different, but I mean, they beat you and they got Spencer Rattler and they got, you know, at least one that I know of uh, a wide receiver that Auburn wanted in the portal. Like 
that adds up. That adds up. And like, okay, maybe you don't feel great about Mississippi State just because of the way Leach is, but it's like they they scored 40 unanswered on you. Right. It's hard. Like you can make an argument for it right now, given that, well, they haven't had to threaten to fire their coach yet that I'm aware of. Right. And they just beat you. Yeah. Like I said, like it's an issue that isn't new. It's that at Auburn, not everyone's on the same page. And that's usually the case with people in charge and in power. But I think it's been very obvious that you can see it in the staff. I think you can see it among the players themselves and not just the ones. And it's not even just a divide, I don't think, between guys that are not here anymore and guys that enter the portal compared to guys that are still around, right? You know, Harson definitely has supporters on this team and in that locker room, 100%. Um, there are guys who sign back up, but... There are also some guys who are still on the team that liked that Lee Hunter post and that have brought up some questions. And it's like, it's a divide. I mean, this isn't even a thing of like, well, you know, the guys who left were soft or whatever. Like that's, you know, don't paint with broad brushes. I think that's the most dangerous thing to do in any situation, but especially something like this. But the broad brush I, I am willing to paint with here is that every facet of Auburn football right now looks like it is just no one's on the same page and it's like I don't know how you get back to that point because whatever the solution is here whatever the whatever the next move is for Auburn it's going to be divisive it's going to be divisive among the fan base it's going to be divisive among the players it's going to be tough for recruiting it's going to be tough for your 2022 season we're going to start spring practice here in a few weeks who is going to play offense right Right? And I think one way or another, I don't think you've seen the end of people going into the portal. No. 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 So, I mean, it's it's a mess. It's really, really ugly. And, like, look, I think Auburn was, had some real deal issues for 2022 before this came out. Right? Just let's flash this back to Wednesday where it's like, man, they struck out and... And they got replaced an offensive coordinator. It's like, oh, and various Johnson's in the portal. It's like, take that in itself and just have, you know, move it ahead without any of this stuff that's happened in the last couple of days happen. And, like, it's still going to be really difficult for Auburn in 2022. Like, we even knew that already. But after this, I mean, it's you just crank you crank up the pressure and you crank up the 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 degree of difficulty about as high as it can possibly go that it sucks for a lot of reasons for for i'm not even just saying for for those of y'all who are fans like the players have had to go through this man what about some of the players who transferred in here to co- to play for a guy like austin davis and or a guy like Derek mason not here anymore and you don't know what's next and Auburn's players right now are in this like holding pattern and there's some back and forth that has gone on online. I'm sure there are some tough conversations and some, and some frustrations and some, I just some feelings of like, well, what the heck's going to happen next from those guys in there? And that's, that's really, really tough. That's really, really tough. And I think, you know, for, for all the people involved that this is not good for, I just keep coming back to the players, man. Cause the, the players, this is a lot of stuff going on that, you know, they don't have any control over it. I think even the 
I think even one of the things that like Alan Green, um, I want to say it was Thamel who reported it. I, I'm still having to get used to him being a um at ESPN. The message was, "Hey, control what you can control." It's like, well, okay, well, just guess we'll keep working out. A ringing endorsement of. Yeah, that's the thing, man. Things to come. Yeah, it's it's a brutal spot. So, like, it's basketball season. Auburn's number one in the country, and uh, we'll, we're going to talk the rest of this podcast about Auburn basketball. We'll have stuff whenever stuff happens, I guess. You know, on the record, stuff happens, I guess, is probably the best way to put it uh, for Auburn football. Like I said, newsletter, anybody can read it. You don't have to have a subscription uh, if you want to check it out. We'll keep you posted. I think that's that's the best way to best way to describe it. All right. We need to have a clean break towards basketball. So before we do that, let's uh, let's take care of some business. And this is not going to be a smooth transition, but here it goes anyway. Homefieldapparel.com, ladies and gentlemen. The Peacock shirt, by the way, A1. I, uh, I, I got one. My brother got one in, uh, in an order that I placed with all my, all my Gonzaga stuff that I know so many of you were so happy to see me post online. That was sarcasm. Um, but homefieldapparel.com is the place to get the most comfortable apparel. We're talking t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, even joggers on occasion with the best logos and the best designs that you're going to find anywhere. And for you, the Auburn fan, you've been kind of spoiled here recently because the good brand has provided uh, two brand new Auburn basketball designs. Uh, one of them, the the Peacock shirt, the No Fear Auburn Hoops. Really cool color, really comfortable shirt. Uh, I have a I have a Seton Hall shirt uh, from from Homefield. Actually, I have two shirts from Homefield. I think the other one's a full cast one on this color. They're really really comfortable. Um, shout out to the Peacock. Shout out to uh, shout out to our friend Ryan Starrett and all the gang over at, uh, at over at uh, the Orange and True podcast and College and Mag. Uh, there's also a really nice uh, orange uh, Ever to Conquer Auburn basketball tee. Very '90s vibes as we've talked about. Painter very uh, beard eaves up there. There's a lot. There's uh, a lot at home field right now that you can go get for for the Auburn fan in your life or if you are the Auburn fan yourself. A lot of cool Auburn basketball designs and uh, and, and some others uh, that you can check out there. And if you have a school that you love that's not Auburn, there's a good chance the home field supplies them with, uh, like I said, the best uh, apparel that you're going to find anywhere. 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com if you use the promo code OBSERVER in, uh, when you're checking out. And uh, they do free shipping on orders over $100. Uh, and their shipping is super, super fast right now. So uh, I can tell you that as someone who, is, who has placed a big order recently. But homefieldapparel.com, promo code OBSERVER. We appreciate Connor and the gang for supporting us down here and uh we appreciate them for uh giving our listeners and our subscribers uh some really cool auburn stuff to wear painter it's about that time again where we tell folks um how they can continue to support us without paying any money whatsoever we we hope they would like to join the observer be part of the inner circle get a bonus podcast once a week it's like this one but just another one um later in the week six dollars a month sixty dollars a year homefieldapparel.com sorry i just said that observer.com i'm looking at the home field site six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year at home field is really not going to take you that far tell them uh tell them how they can help us out painter maybe let's let's just paint the picture here for instance i'm watching kentucky up by 10 on alabama we we do need alabama to win this game we need a comeback 
But this is a two hour long endeavor, just a little more than that you've committed to. Maybe it's Monday or Tuesday. Maybe it's Sunday. I don't know when you listen to this. And you're watching some event. If you've got two hours, you know, you've got your phone right there. I know you're online. I know you're texting your friends or whatever it is you do, ordering food. Look, the app, the little button's right there. You know, just rate, review, subscribe. It's that easy. Right there. Your phone's right there. Your phone is right there. Give us five stars. Say something nice about Painter in the in your review. And uh, we will read it here on uh, on the air. we got three more to read, Painter. After uh, we had a loaded group uh, in the premium podcast earlier this week. So shout out to you guys. Uh, you ready, Painter? Always ready. Always ready. Here we go. This is from John Will Rice. It says the best Auburn podcast. It's the only Auburn podcast I listen to regularly anymore, especially getting two a week as a member of the Inner Circle TM. The coverage of Auburn football and basketball in general is second only to Painter's blatant and unabashed homerism and all I can ask for in an Auburn podcast. And Justin's best in the business level-headed analysis is okay, too, I guess. That's the vibe we're going for. Thank you, John Will. That was very, very nice of you. I believe that we went to high school together. That was very nice of you. Uh, this is from Ryan Whittington. Said, uh, been a fan of Justin since he was at The Athletic. Justin and Painter are a great duo on air and both good follows on Twitter. Also appreciate these two typically keep politics out of the conversation, which today is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, we're, we're not going to talk politics on here. Sorry. Why would you want for, my opinion on that? I don't think you would want either of our opinions on, on any of it, and it doesn't matter who you are. And this is finally from AU Navy Nuke. It's my first podcast ever, but now I'm hooked. Wow. Okay. We're already high, high range here. Uh, if this is your first podcast ever, you probably should listen to some other ones. There, there are a lot better ones out there, uh, some that are professionally done. Some of them have some really good uh, sound effects people who are paid a lot of money to do this. But, you know, if, if you just have us, we appreciate it. Uh, I never listened to any podcasts for The Observer. I'm in my 60s, so I guess it's a generational thing. Eh, maybe. Justin Painter sound like a couple of grandkids talking sports in my living room. All right. You know what? We would be proud to be your grandkids if you think that, that highly of us. It's a great mix of Justin's data and statistics and Painter's enthusiasm and humor with an occasional bammer trashing. Thank you. Those very, like, all three of those reviews are very, very kind. Thank you so much for all, all three of you. I like to think the person that said that has a fireplace. Oh yeah, you know, would be and, great. Would be great on this on this chilly night. Right. They're probably watching WSFA after the big win. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We like it. We like it. Appreciate all you guys. Like I said, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you can give us. Uh, that was through Apple. Uh, those are the easiest ways to actually. I mean, the only way we know of to write a review. But you can give us five stars on Spotify as well. If you're into Spotify, uh, you can do that. All right, Painter, give me your snapshot, take your feeling, your vibe, your essence. When I tell you Auburn seventy four, Georgia seventy two from Saturday afternoon in Athens, Auburn. Looked like it was playing bored. Uh, it looked lost without Walker for a little bit down the stretch. I was surprised about Jabari's involvement. I know Bruce said he's yeah. not going to ride him, but that seems like it could be different. Flanagan hasn't been consistently good offensively, but I think with time, he's still one of the most valuable players on the team in the postseason. Zip Jasper's absence was obvious. And then the end of the half, beginning of the half struggles, you had a stat on that that was pretty damning. Like, 
quite a lot that you can glean from this game, I think, if you're a coach. Uh, I think Bruce will be critical of his, his own coaching and then critical of the yeah, way that definitely the, was. the way that the players played the majority of the second half. And it wasn't real tight in the first half. It was just, no. they, they you know, I, this is the best situation, just like the Missouri game. You can point out lots of things that can be improved, but at least you didn't lose. So, Painter, there's this, there's this, um, there's this trope, this not a meme, but this this common phrase saying that's going around Auburn basketball fans. And and, and you know what? It's one, you know, I don't want to be dismissive of it um, because it's one that I've heard fans use all the time, especially college basketball fans. Talking about this Auburn team, talking about their now what is now the 19-game winning streak, just absurd. They haven't lost since the day before Thanksgiving. But this 19-game winning streak that Auburn is on, and it's like, okay, does this team need to lose to before they make the postseason, or do they need to lose one, like game recently to kind of get going again? I'm gonna throw you a, a a theory, and I want you to I want you to tell me how to, how you feel about it. I would argue that Auburn's last two road games, as close as you can get to losing, and would be really poor. I mean, considering they're both one possession wins. And they're both to the two worst teams in the SEC by record. I don't know if you necessarily need to lose, quote-unquote, because Auburn has gotten so close to it, and all the lessons that you can glean from a loss, you're going to be able to pull from these games, but still have the record that you need to have, right? And still get the win and stay ahead in the, in the you know by multi, multiple games in the SEC race. I think you get pretty much everything out of, like, any positive impact you can get from a loss. I think you're getting it in these Missouri games and these Georgia games, these lessons that you've learned without actually losing. Yeah, without actually losing. What do you think? No, I'm with you. I think it's as good as it gets. Probably a way to keep you humble. This team seems to have a great work ethic based on what it is Bruce tells us. But yeah, you're right. It is. I I thought they played like kind of bored almost, which surprised me. Especially early second half. Yeah, and like you know, a lot of these guys are from Georgia, and so I thought this was one where they just thought, let's thrash them, and maybe they thought they could do it going eighty percent. Yeah, it's just I think second half it was just Georgia adjusted, and it really wore on Auburn. And I think the big takeaway from this game, number one, is that all right. <laughs> If you were not on board with how valuable Zepp Jasper is, good gracious, was this the game to to see how valuable that dude was? Zepp, a scratch on Saturday morning. He made the trip with the team, uh, but had a non-COVID illness in general. You always hope players can bounce back quickly, and, and you hope that for Zepp Jasper. One of the um, best memes I saw was a Strep Jasper. Yeah. Uh, watching the one. game from the bed. Uh, yes. That was, that was A+. Plus. I have no idea a, if you had strep, but good meme. A++. Plus plus. Zep, I mean, not only is Zep your best defensive player, like on-ball defender, Bruce Pearl called him the best guard defender in the league. I think that's 100% correct. But when you take Zep Jasper out, he's not a guy that plays a ton of minutes. He's not a guy that plays a ton or gets, scores a lot of points. He was, I believe, sixth and seventh in, on the team in, in those categories. But it's the key of part of what Auburn's been made Auburn so good is they have that three man guard rotation where they always have two of either Wendell and Zepp and KD on the floor at the same time. 
And there have been a couple of minutes where, you know, maybe Devin Cambridge plays the two and, and you make it through that way. But Zepp keeps him fresh. Zepp also is an extremely valuable player on defense. And in this game, Wendell Green plays 36 minutes. Katie Johnson plays 33 minutes. And in the second half, I mean, Wendell's only shot he hit in the second half was the game winner, which was a great play by him. Um, staying with it and just knowing that as soon as he got the ball from from Walker Kessler on a, on a defensive board, that he was going to take it to the hole. Didn't Jared Harper do something similar in the win I against believe, Florida in the SEC I believe tournament? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah that like, sounds right. Know, anyway, neither here nor there. Right, right. And Katie and and Wendell. Yes, there were times where they where they forced the ball. Uh, I think Katie was very amped for this game, and it was very obviously. I mean, all of them mean a lot to him, but this one meant meant a ton. But, like, Wendell missed a ton of shots in the second half, and he said it's like, man, my legs were feeling it. Everything was short. Zep brings you that. And on top of that, he, he brings you elite defense. Auburn did a good job on defense in the first half, but they were still fouling a lot. In the second half, as they were getting more worn down in the backcourt, they weren't fouling as much. Guys were just getting in the hole. Georgia made the adjustments. Oquendo, their leading scorer, um, who did not play in the first game against Auburn, made a huge, huge difference in this game, had a huge second half. And it was like, okay, that's what you're missing with Zep. That's what you're missing. And you can talk about whether he needs to start or Wendell needs to start, all that, but he's such a valuable player. And it's interesting, you know, coming off of on Thursday, he's talking to our friends over on the drive, uh, Bill and Dan, and they asked him a question about, you know, kind of his eligibility, and he's like, hey, I'm planning on coming back next year. Um, which, I mean, a moron like me thought he was already out of eligibility, but that's what I get for not double-checking my work. Um, I mean, he's huge. He's huge for this for this basketball team. And so with the way they played on defense, especially in the second half, and the way Katie Johnson and, and Wendell Green had these just really tired legs and the fatigue was getting to them in the second half, I mean, it was just kind of a perfect storm for Georgia to come back, especially at home. They've got offensive players. they got dudes who can put it in the bucket, and they did. And it took Auburn, getting once again, getting a couple stops late and then having Johnson, both Johnson and, Junior, and Green Jr. scoring uh, late to pull off that win. Um, they fought through it. Auburn is really good at closing games out. Um, this was their shakiest finish. Uh, they're, they're probably their shakiest second half of the season. Um, and yet they were able to pull it out because you know, Katie Johnson and Wendell Green just came up clutch when everything was kind of going against them. And so you saw your two guards give you the win and, and, and pull through late, but also it shows you, man, they need that third guy. They need that third guy a lot. Uh, in this game, in, in, in the games to come for Auburn, and so I think for the best thing for Auburn is that they need to get Jasper back and healthy. What'd you make of them stealing some minutes with Cook instead of, say, putting Flanagan at guard? You know, I, it's not like he excelled there last year. I just thought it was interesting that they went to Preston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you know, Bruce said it after the game, and they probably could have played Preston a little bit more. Preston Cook, by the way, former walk-on, he is on scholarship, but he's not in the rotation. Uh, dear old Auburn High's very own. All played four minutes and held his own. Uh, you know, was positive and plus minus. You know, didn't uh, make any. I think he had an assist. Uh, was the only stat. Didn't have a turnover. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was like okay, well they'll play Devin more at the two and 
Maybe this will be Chris Moore gets a little bit more time at the three. And Chris Moore did get in the game and got on the floor, but no, they were, I think, just because of the value Wendell has on offense, and even though it wasn't clicking for him in the second half um, because of that fatigue, uh, they had to ride Wendell Green pretty hard, and they had to ride Katie Johnson really hard as well. And um, we'll see how much that affects Auburn moving forward, but I, it was an interesting call. And, and to keep Flanagan in his natural position, you know, I think it definitely helped him out. He had a couple of really good uh, finishes. He had a couple of really good defensive plays, some some good rebounds. He's not 100% yet, but um, I think there are times where, where you can kind of see the light light coming on for him and, and going back to the old ways. So trying to keep him in that mindset and try to keep him in that mode, I think, is is the best way forward for Auburn. And kudos goes – a lot of kudos goes to Preston Cook. They were able to kind of turn it to him, and it's just four minutes. But, I mean, four minutes that didn't hurt you. Performance that didn't hurt you at all, and that's that's what you want out of a guy like that. Absolutely, uh, I drew Timmy's on my TV. I know you're excited about that. <laughs> Who are the Zags playing tonight? I haven't been paying attention. They, they showed are. it, but I wasn't. BYU. Oh yeah, it's uh, the yeah. big one. It's the big one. BYU. Although St. Mary's looks really good this year. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I thought I thought the big thing, another big thing for me in this game, and. I think pretty cool because of where it was, but, um, and I didn't watch it, but the, the Walker Kessler, you know, uh, they had a thing at halftime about his uncle, his late uncle and Mm -hmm. his family's legacy at Georgia. And people said that was really, really well done. He looked really excited to be out there, uh, for obvious reasons. But I mean, once again, man, like this is another game where if you look at the statistics, it was like, all right, who was the best player for Auburn in terms of efficiency and like his impact on the game was like Walker Kessler again. Um, and he occasionally he, just gets penalized for playing good defense. Yeah, no, and like going straight up, man. Like, still finishes with four blocks, ten and nine, um, like five of six on. I think he missed his first shot from the field. And he missed a three, and then he was five for five the rest of the way um, on the on the twos. He is. I mean, he, he and when he was off the floor, like okay, by the end of the game, a plus minus was interesting because. You know, first half, first half, Kessler had a pretty strong plus minus. It was plus eight. Second half, he was minus nine. And it's like, well, pretty much all the starters but Flanagan were were pretty low in in, uh, in second half plus minus uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but it was, you know, there were a couple stretches in that in that second half where Kessler got the ball and it looked like Auburn's offense was, well, he's bigger than anything you have. And he had some really good takes. Had a really good take where he caught the ball and drove and and got a nice lay-in off of it. Um, I thought was patient with the ball in his hands, you know, and and you know, five defensive rebounds, four blocks, and two steals. Uh, that'll that'll work. Those are a lot of stops from from one guy. And uh, yeah, I was surprised that Auburn didn't go to him as much as they did. I think Georgia packed it in a, a little bit and 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 tried, but. You know, and then this obviously segues nicely into into Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith only takes seven shots in the game, and there was a long stretch where he only had one shot in the second half. Now Georgia was doubling on the on the dribble or the catch whenever he got the ball. You know, it it really took out like they were making sure he was not going to get those mid range shots. Um, They were going to make sure he got the ball out of his hands in those situations, and they weren't going to let him hurt you that way. And uh, so credit goes to Georgia for that. And he had an assist. There was a really good kick out. He had to Flanagan in the corner on a blob. 
but he turned the ball over a decent amount as well. And just not the kind of like game where he felt like he could kind of take over or, all right, here comes the Jabari bucket. It just never, it never came. And Bruce said after the game, Bruce Pearl said after the game, you know, I, I didn't give him enough good looks. You know, I'm not sure what happened. And then he immediately jumped to, I think we're just tired. So I think fatigue, I mean, this is a guy in Jabari Smith who, you know, he's game 23 of his college career. This is getting this is getting into some tough time when it, when you talk about fatigue and having it set in. It's not the rookie wall. I don't think that you hear about in the NBA, but you know, wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the if the conditioning is really hitting him maybe a little bit harder than some of these other guys. Just kind of freshman, kind of youth, uh, kind of stuff happening there. But I think Bruce Pearl will look back and the staff will look back and say, "Man, we got to find more ways to have this dude take more than seven shots." because his usage percentage was one of the lowest of all season. His offensive rating was one of the lowest all season for him. And that's a potential number one pick in the NBA draft. Um, I think if Auburn had to do it all over again, especially in that second half, they would just try to find – they'd just try to orchestrate ways for him to get it. Um, and instead, they, they – t- I mean, 39 points and 39 shots uh, for, uh, for both uh, – Johnson and Green Jr. combined in both of those categories. It, it's not it's not the balance that you want. Now, it ended up working out, and I think Georgia really emphasized not getting beat down low nearly as much in this game as, as opposed to the past, and, and the guards had to do a lot, uh, you know, in this matchup. But, yeah, it was really, really surprising that it got to that point and that you look up and it's like, man, Jabari's – just really not had much of an impact offensively in this game. Now, he did, I think, play some good defense at times, um, and he's been really good on defense uh, these last few weeks. Um, he had six boards, had five defensive rebounds. Like He still did a lot of the, the dirty work and a lot of the stuff you want uh, to help you know pull out the win. But, you know, offensively, it, he's a guy that I think a lot of people want to see have more in this game, and I, I don't think it's all on him. I don't, I, you know, I don't think it's all on him, and I think Bruce Pearl would definitely – as someone who Bruce Pearl very self-critical after the game about the timeout usage and about some of the uh, the third quarter, so so to speak, slumps, and then not getting you know uh, not getting Jabari enough looks, I, I think I think Pearl will take a lot of that on on his own shoulders. He may never fully commit to just totally all out offense through Jabari, but I have a feeling they're going to make an effort moving forward to make sure that there's not quite a situation that they're in like that. Yeah. One would think, right? Like one would think this would be the last, he took seven shots against Florida, I believe. we went to the free throw line a lot more in that game. He went two for two in this game. Um, But yeah, it's not what you want. This team wants to be more balanced. This team wants to be able to rely on their depth. Um, and of course the Jasper injury or injury absence, uh, sickness, uh, affected that. Um, but yeah, that front court where Auburn had an advantage, they just didn't take it as much of it as they could have offensively. I think defensively they, they did some good work. Rim protection wasn't as great as it probably could have been, but I think also, um, you know, they just, they had a, had a harder time, you know, Georgia preyed on the fact that they didn't have Zep Jasper up there, and then it was just kind of a different rotation and different switches and stuff like that going on up top. So it's got to be something they've got to get better at and, and work on. And you know, I, like we said earlier, Painter, I think if you're if you're Auburn, you look at this game as a whole, 
and you look at it at the end, you're like, man, there's a whole lot we could have got we we could be a lot better on, and yet you still came out with a win. Well, Arkansas is probably the toughest venue left on the schedule. They're going to have to do better than that. They're going to have to do a lot better than that. When you think about the last two road games Auburn has had, and they have, um, the last yeah the last two road games they've had they've scored 55 against Missouri and then they had a really bad second half against Georgia and squeaked out both of those wins Arkansas they're up by three right now as we record this against Mississippi State who is a really good team uh, in the league this year we'll see if Arkansas hangs on to win but like even if they lose by some reason like this is a team that has won a lot of games recently they entered today winning their last six they're on fire right now um they uh They've got balance. They've got size. They've got skill. Sorry, they've won seven straight. If they win tonight, it'll be eight straight. Um, Sneaky seventeen and five record. Like yeah, they had struggled and they lost, early, and they and, lost five within six. Right, they lost five games right. in a stretch of six. So there was a little moment there where it looked like, oh, okay. But I think we were on it. I think that we I'll give us a little credit. We said stick with Arkansas. Yeah, man. Arkansas has got a top five offense and the number one defense in the league in conference only games right now. If you look at efficiency, they're playing some of the best basketball. I think I, I think you can make the argument they're playing the best basketball of anybody not named Auburn right now in the SEC. Maybe Kentucky, you know, maybe maybe Kentucky, just due to the fact that the teams that Kentucky have lost to, like they lost LSU before they fell off and they lost to Auburn on the road. But yeah, I mean, this is this is I, I thought I I think they're definitely a team that's playing a lot better right now than, than Tennessee is. And uh, Tennessee hammered South Carolina t- uh, Saturday. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a difficult game. It's going to be a difficult game. And, like, but like you were saying, Bud Walton's always a tough place to play, especially when they're good, especially when they have a lot of confidence to them. Um, I want to say – let's look at it. Uh, Auburn – Auburn's record all time in Bud Walton is not great. Um it is. This is from the university website. They are five and twenty-two uh, away from home against Arkansas all time. They're fifteen and eleven at home. Uh, Arkansas sizable lead in this series, which makes sense, really, since you know the stretch when Arkansas came into the league, they were really, really good in the nineties. Um, but uh, yeah, it's that's a tough place to place to win, in. and Auburn's got to play a much cleaner brand of basketball for this to for this to work out. Uh, and and come away with a win, and they're fully capable of it, right? We we saw, like take Jabari Smith for example. Jabari Smith has a poor shooting performance at Missouri, and then he goes and you know lights Oklahoma on fire. Uh, the next game, um, we've seen Auburn struggle offensively and then turn it up immediately. We've seen them have you know bad bad third quarters, so to speak, and then you know some of the wins they've had this year, uh, recently the Ole Miss and the Kentucky games, like they are fully capable of coming out of the locker room and playing well. They're fully capable of, of uh, starting the game well. So um, I think that's the thing with Auburn, and maybe it's the sign of a, of a, of a good team. Another sign this is a really good team is that their strengths aren't always the same game to game, but I, also their weaknesses aren't always the same game to game. Like there's not one thing where it's like, if you do X against Auburn, you're going to win. Or if you're going to do, if you do Y or Auburn's going to do Z and it's going to cost them. It's like, I, there's not really that much of a through line through, through these, through these games. And I think that can definitely work in Auburn's favor. The exterior of Bud Walton sort of looks like a community college. It does. It does. Uh, but that is also the uh, Basketball Palace of Mid-America, by the way. 
I just, again, I've said it. Like, I wish it was easier to get to Arkansas because I would love to go to a game there, but that is, it's just not cheap, and that's a long drive. By the way, Alabama is three, as we're recording this, Alabama is three of 27 hmm. from deep in the second half. They're down 14 late to uh, to Kentucky. They've only scored, only scored 47 points with 240 remaining. Yikes. Um, Razorbacks so, place metal detectors at Bud Walton Arena. Keep everyone safe. I think that's the thing with Auburn, and we've said it before, Painters, like win by any means necessary on the road. Bruce said it after the game. They don't ask you. They don't ask you how. They ask you how many. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's like Auburn's 10-0. and 0. Auburn's won 19 straight games. Kentucky's going to end up pulling out this win against Alabama on the road and decisively, it looks like. They're still going to be two games back from Auburn, you know, entering the final four weeks of uh, of, of SEC play. That that's significant. Like a couple of plays, you know, Harper could be eight and two, and they could be in the thick of a fight, but they're not. They got some. They got some players that can push through late, and Katie Johnson, Wendell Green Jr. among them, Walker Kessler making some big plays late, and then Bruce after the game. Uh, I didn't watch this. I didn't catch this. Did you catch the SEC Network guy? What happened there? Yes. Okay. Can you can you walk me through what what, what was actually said? Bruce was, I think, frustrated about how the game went. Adrenaline was rushing. I believe the guy's name is Patrick. I felt like Auburn was the better team, that they were up 15 at one point. Auburn probably was in the lead the majority of the game. They they won the Auburn, game. Auburn led for th- basically 30 minutes of the 40 minutes. This isn't an exact quote, but it was something to the effect of, like, Georgia deserved to win or... Maybe Auburn didn't deserve to win. And I think Bruce took a little bit of exception to that. He was pretty pointed afterward. He, he said, I disagree. Um, it was also just funny to see Bruce's like immediately shut him down because coaches are often so boring. And so it's fun to have a coach just be like, no, I think you're wrong. Right. Bruce's quote about that to us after the game. Uh, he said, uh, they don't ask how, they ask how many. Ain't going to worry about how we played at Missouri or how we played at Georgia. We beat them. And I was reacting to the fact that I had my mic on and I heard him say Georgia should have won the game or deserved to win the game or should have won the game. No, we're here in Athens. We played well enough to win. We should have won that game. We did win that game. And I agree. I agree. Auburn was the better team in the final minute. They were the better team for the first half. It wasn't pretty. Yes, it's too close to a loss for comfort, especially when it's the last place team in, in the SEC. But that is a very bad team. Yeah, it's a very bad team, but it's a team that's got some scores. Right. And I when mean, you're missing yeah. and when you when you're missing your best defensive guard, it's gonna be really, really tough. Uh or I, I would say it's a lot tougher to to play against a team that's got some good scoring guards. Man, what would have happened if, if Zep was out for the Bama game and not the the way the way those guards were playing. Like uh it's not a style point game. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I don't know what Gonzaga does later. Like, if Gonzaga makes up some ground in the poll, I don't think they'll jump Auburn. But, but it's a win. It's a win. Gives you a season sweep uh, of Alabama and Georgia. Um, the only time they've beaten Alabama and Georgia twice in the same season. Now, back in the day before they changed up the – they took away divisions in, in, in the SEC. Auburn didn't used to play Georgia twice a year every year in basketball. But – they did it the final four year. They've done it this year now. Um, that's a good omen, I think. And 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 Bruce said it before the game uh, to his players, and I, and I think a lot of Auburn folks would agree. The series against Georgia is just as significant as the series against Alabama. And I think for some, I think for some players and some fans, it's it's even more important. 
So for Auburn to come out in a week like this and have two wins over their two biggest rivals uh, to stay in the driver's seat in the SEC race by by a decent margin and you know probably the number one team in the country still could have been a lot lot worse this week. Could have been a lot worse. So uh, a win is a win. Um, and uh, like we said earlier, I think you can get all of the. I think you can get all of the uh, the lessons and the tough love and all that from a from a loss that you get in a loss. I think you can get it in a game like this, uh, but still come out with with what you absolutely need. Also, by the way, we haven't mentioned it yet, and we can talk about this to wrap it up. But buddy, the Devin Cambridge Wendell Green alley oop, unreal. At first, I thought he threw it like too hard off the backboard but no problemo i looked up i looked up you know is this happening and and um brian stoltz from rivals was sitting next to me and i just go he's breaking away and i see i see the trail coming and i just like about when he gets about to the timeline i'm like he's gonna try to throw this off the backboard and uh sure enough he does it and it just it was smooth it was clean and, uh, man, does anybody do a better job? I don't know. I don't know. Jalen Williams does a good job of this as well. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like you said, he might have thrown it a little too hard off the off the glass. I mean, there's a lot of adrenaline pump there. But Devin Cambridge, just when you can float like that, you can you can turn you can turn them into highlight reels anyway. Just an incredible, incredible play that uh, that a lot of Auburn fans are going to remember for a while. That's going to be in a lot of highlight reels. I think that about does it. They're going to have to be better than that down the stretch. I'd like to think that they're getting this out of their system. That may be optimistic. Arkansas is probably going to be a good test for that. Yeah, I think Arkansas will be a really tough test for that. You're in a position where, like, if you win this game against Arkansas on the road, um, you're in a great spot uh, for your for your title race. Um, if you lose, it's not the end of the world. You're still, you're still in a good spot, but... It's going to take Auburn having to learn a lot of lessons quickly. I think for Auburn's sake, you hope that Zepp Jasper will be 100% ready to go on Tuesday night. And, uh, yeah, that, that crowd should be really good. I mean, the crowd – I'll say this. Georgia, it was 50-50 probably in terms of fans. The Georgia student section is very large, um, and they, they packed it out. They gave they gave the first however many fans that came in, students that came in, Dominic Wilkins jerseys, which I thought was pretty cool. I tweeted that – if Auburn ever did that, they should give people Simeon Bowers jerseys. And there were quite a few of you who didn't didn't catch the the what I was going for with that because they're like, "What about Charles Barkley?" And it's like, "Well, <laughs> all right." Auburn it was loud when Auburn did obviously really good stuff uh, in that game. And I think one of the things we don't talk about enough is that Georgia's fight song is Auburn's like secondary fight song. So, like, whenever they played Glory, Glory to old Georgia, Auburn fans just tried as loud as they could to to do, you know, A-U-B-U-R-N. Um, so, it was uh, it was, it was was a trip, man. It was a trip. And it, apparently our buddy Ben Wolk said he got priced out of going to a Georgia game uh, because of the demand for tickets in this one and the secondary market exploded. Uh, but, uh, yeah, really good crowd, really good finish. And uh, Auburn coming out with a, coming out with a win and, Kind of like the Missouri game. You just, you just get it by any means necessary, learn from it, and move forward. It's crazy to think about that Auburn has won 19 games in a row. Looks like they're going to be the number one team in the country for at least a third week. 
a dream of mine sitting in Beardy is to think one of these Auburn teams would win 19 games in a row. 19, man. Mm. 19. And, like, you know, they could stretch it to 20 against Arkansas, but, like, 19 and they've beaten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven top 50 teams um, in that stretch. So it's not like all been cannon fodder. Like they've be- they've beaten some really, really good basketball teams in the driver's seat. Got four weeks left in the, in the regular season. Auburn's got a two game lead with eight to play uh, because I think that Bama game is about to go fine. Yep. It just went final uh, Kentucky. And well, we're saying this, like you're going to listen to this tomorrow. Um, Kentucky won by 11. So still got a two game lead with eight to play. Uh, it's uh it's getting it's getting to be it's getting to be crunch time, and uh, Auburn is uh, Auburn's I think is really built for it. Just built different. Just built different. All right, uh, that'll do it. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate uh, kind of some of the weirdness <laughs> of this podcast because of the uh, hey, what's up, Kiki? Um, because of the uh, odd situation with football going on right now at the beginning of the podcast. But like we said, we will have more football and basketball to come at the Observer. If you're a subscriber, you're a member of the Inner Circle, you get bonus podcasts later in the week. We'll talk the Arkansas game and uh, what else comes about uh, in Auburn athletics. Yeah, we'll have we'll have newsletters throughout the week as well. So $6 a month, $60 a year, sign up at auburnobserver.com. Uh, we will talk to the rest of you in the Inner Circle later this week. Painter, your final thoughts. Hang in that banner. It's like a bird on wheels You can come to Ohio and you can see how it feels And this the premiere of that new, new hair It's gonna take you beyond where a jet can't lair But all you gonna hear is something crazy and fat How I be burning the